Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thanks for tuning in, whether this is your first time or you've been listening with me since the beginning of the podcast. I appreciate you listening. really does mean a lot to me. Now, today we are going over episode number 18, and this episode is titled, But Let Me First. Now, I am a little sick right now, so I'm sorry if I sound a little congested, but I got to get this recording done. So whether I'm sick or not, I'm coming to you, and I hope that it will still be a blessing to you. So first, I, I want to take a moment and have you try to imagine a scenario. Imagine a couple, and they, they've been dating for a while, and they're, they're in love, and, and they want to progress in their relationship, and the man decides to propose to the woman and says, hey, I love you, and I want to marry you, but I'm not quite ready yet. I have some other relationships that I still kind of have going on, and I, I, I'm not ready to give these other things up yet. So uh, I hope that's okay, but can we set a future wedding date? Like, I want to have this sense of commitment, but I'm not really ready right now. I I want you to be a part of my life, but you can't really be the primary thing, at least not for this season. Uh, Would you still agree to marry me? I mean, can you imagine this scenario? Obviously, any woman who is sane would tell this guy to take a hike because, you know, he doesn't care about her, at least not enough to give up these other things in his life. And so if and if they happen to get married and they agreed on a later date or whatever, they would definitely have some issues. And I find that a lot of times it's easy to come to Christ that way, where we might have things from our old lives or even just things of this world or other things that we have in mind that we don't really want to give up. Maybe that we there's things that cause our relationship with God to take to take a backseat or be on the back burner for a season while we take care of the more important things. I know that it can be a temptation for a lot of people that are teenagers, especially that are raised in the church. And it's like, well, I, I really will get serious about my relationship with God when I, I get married and I'm settled down and everything. But now I'm just going to live my life. But really, there's no guarantee that it comes at a certain age. It's something that I think everybody battles with. Sometimes people, they'll put their career first, or they got certain relationships they'll put first, even hobbies, or just trying to earn money or just, you know, attain things of this life. And really, Jesus never wants to be on the back burner. That's not where he wants to be. And in fact, I don't think he'll actually let himself take that place in our lives. And so many of the things, too, that end up taking us away from him, they're not even eternal. They're things that are just temporary. They're things that won't last. And so we really want to stay focused on what is eternal as Christians, which is primarily our relationship and standing before God as being justified thanks to the to the blood of Jesus. But then also the service that we do for God, if it's, you know, if it's genuine and, and all those things, it'll actually bear eternal fruit. And, you know, we'll be able to see some of that fruit in heaven. So I want to read an account today from Luke chapter 9, where Jesus goes and is calling some people to be his disciples, but it doesn't really go that well. And so on in this account, they're on a road, they're on their way to Jerusalem. It is the time when Jesus said his face was set towards Jerusalem. So he's going there, they've got this mission in mind. And it says in Luke 9 verse 57, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I think it's important every now and then for us to remember that Jesus didn't really own much in this life. 
some of my, many of us might feel that we don't really have that greatest stuff, or you know, maybe God hasn't provided natural things like we would like, at least at this season, and or maybe we're not content. But realizing that Jesus didn't even have a home, he didn't have a place to lay his head. He just he would travel and he would would trust that God the Father would provide a place for him to stay. I'm assuming is is how it would work. I mean, they always found a place to stay, but he didn't have a home. He didn't even have anything. I mean, he was that committed to his mission on the earth. And when he called the disciples to go with them, there was no guarantee that they were going to have homes and have these different things. They were supposed to give up everything they had to follow Jesus. And then another one, this is my favorite. Another one, he's actually said to this guy, he said, follow me. But the man said, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Now we're unsure about the father's current state. I was looking into uh, this verse a little bit and researching it. And we're not really sure that the man's father could have already died or the man's father could be healthy and would just inevitably die in the future, right? I mean, that's, we all die, you know, so it was kind of guaranteed to happen at some point. But regardless, in their culture, it was the son's duty to bury the father. That was something they were supposed to do. And I actually found, interestingly enough, in a in Lexham uh, content commentary, that in their day, if they would bury somebody, they would bury them in a tomb and then let their flesh decay for about a year, and then they would go back and bury the bones. So even if the father was already dead, this guy was putting off following Jesus for roughly a year at least. So he's, you know, and it seems like this is reasonable, right? I mean, it's it's something in their culture they're supposed to do, and it's not like a bad endeavor or anything. And so, you know, it seems like a pretty reasonable request, but the problem is he's putting off following Jesus and making it not a priority. And what Jesus says to him is crazy. In verse 60, it says, Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, he's talking here about those who are spiritually dead, those who are unconcerned about the kingdom of God. They can worry about these things. But you, if, if you are going to pursue the kingdom of God and, and make this your mission in life, then you've got more important matters to attend to than your father's burial, whether the man was dead or not. Again, we don't know. But Jesus here puts forth this crazy idea that like this is what it is. Like you, you need to make the kingdom of God number one, no matter what. And it's so contrary to, to so much of what we hear today. Verse 61 continues, kind of the same idea. Another one came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. But then the, Jesus says this to him. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And it's so, so challenging to me to realize that like, he wasn't even going to go home and say goodbye. Like Jesus is like, look, you need to make this everything to you. And if if you remember in the Old Testament, there was the prophet Elijah and then his, his um, apprentice, I guess, so to speak, Elisha, who came after him. It's kind of confusing. Like why, why didn't Elijah and John go together and then Elisha and somebody else? You know, of course it has to be Elijah and Elisha. But regardless, Elisha, when he was called by Elijah to be his apprentice, to follow him and to kind of be his successor in in this prophetic ministry, uh, he says to to Elisha to follow him, cast his mantle on him. And Elisha goes and says, okay, well, let me go say goodbye to my family. And then he goes and it's this awesome analogy of, of kind of burning the bridges to your old life because he was plowing with this yoke of oxen and Elijah calls him and he he goes and it's like, you know, I'm so committed to following this prophet. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a fire with this wooden yoke and I'm going to sacrifice these animals I was just plowing with. I'm going to sacrifice them as an offering and burn them on the yoke. 
And he literally, he gave up his entire old life. He, he sacrificed literally the animals that he had been plowing with. And it's like, I'm going on with a new call, a new purpose in life. But he still got to go home and say goodbye to his family. And he was going to be the successor to one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. He was going to go and have a double portion of the anointing that Elijah had and, and go and do miracles. I mean, this is the guy that when somebody died, they threw him on his bones. And, and the, the bones of Elisha caused this guy to come back to life. This is who we're talking about. And he was allowed to go back and say goodbye to his family. But Jesus says to this man who wants to follow him, look, like you need to make the kingdom of God number one. And the thing that I find with these, the second two men here is where I got the title uh, uh, for this podcast episode is that they went to follow Jesus or Jesus called them, depending on the guy. And their response was like, Jesus, I would love to follow you. But first I have some other things I need to take care of. And it's such a challenge to me in my life to look at how many times does God call me to do something or just in general in life? Do do I feel like this is something I'm supposed to do for God or whatever? And it's like, but first, you know, I, God, I got something else I need to take care of, or God, I need to make sure that I get this done. And I I got these things going on and, you know, these things, I mean, first I got to take care of this. And then you realize that by doing this, Jesus is no longer first. And that was basically what these guys said is like, Jesus, I will happily give you second place. Jesus, you can have the silver medal in my life. That would be awesome. Like you can have that position. And Jesus says, no, that's not good enough. I I need to be number one in your life. I need to be first. You need to say, you know, family, I love you. But first, Jesus is calling me to do this. And and you need to have that, that order the other way. I mean, it's so crucial. And that's, and that's what's really the most important thing is to make sure that he is first. And the thing too, is that Jesus messed with their plans. And I know for me, I I like having plans. It's so hard for me when I have plans for something and then the plans get messed up and then you kind of get upset and you're you're like, oh, I I had this all worked out in my mind. It was going to be perfect. And then it it went sideways. And, you know, Jesus did this to these guys so bad. Like, oh, Jesus, I'd love to follow you, but just let me, let me sort these things out. And he says, no, like you, you don't get to do that. He messed with their plans. And I don't know about you, but for me, I love having plans. I need to have plans. And it just, I can't imagine what these guys were thinking because it was in the natural, like Jesus was actually there. In our situation, Jesus is not physically here, but there's still things he calls us to do where maybe it's going to mess with our plans. Maybe all of a sudden people feel called to, to change directions in life and what they've been working towards their whole life all of a sudden doesn't matter. And instead they they move away from that and say, Jesus is calling me to something different. He messed with my plans. And it's something that we all have to accept is that no matter what, he has to be first. And something that I find in these passages as well is that Jesus was never pursuing a crowd. He was never pursuing numbers. I talked a little bit in my last podcast about about him not pursuing numbers and specifically about Ananias and how he was only, you know, prayed for Saul. It was the only thing that we know that he did in scripture at least. And it and hey, look, it was Saul, right? And so Jesus was never aiming for numbers though. I mean, the, the guy that wants to build a massive following doesn't say things like, leave the dead to bury their own dead. That's just not not really the nice thing to do if you're trying to get, get a crowd to follow you. But Jesus was never focused on that because he wanted a few followers who were completely sold out in the real deal rather than a bunch of people that were just interested. 
the kind of people that said, well, Jesus, I would love to follow you, but first let me take care of these other things. When persecution comes, the but first people, they probably would not last. When, when they were getting pulled apart by horses or being crucified upside down, they would, they would probably leave their faith. Unlike the apostles who no matter what, they, they didn't give up. They didn't recant. You know, they believed what they believed and they were completely committed. I remember when, uh, when Jesus called Peter, it says that right away he called him and then Peter left, left his nets and just ran, ran off like, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then you got these guys that like instead, oh, yeah, I, I definitely want to follow you, but I got other things to take care of first. And these might be tough sayings, but it's, it's part of the gospel is that we need to count the cost and realize that, you know, if Jesus isn't first, he might as well be last. And a lot of, especially American Christianity, they don't really like to put forth the idea that there's a cost. It's so easy for people to just go and say, you know, oh, you want to be saved? That's great. Um, would you raise your hand? And we're going to make sure that nobody's looking around, or we're going to make sure that everybody prays at the same time so you don't stand out. And I just, I don't like that. Like, I think there comes a point where you need to count the cost. And we were just recently at a youth camp. And one of my favorite moments from this youth camp is the, the uh, guy that spoke the last night had a bit of an altar call and said, look, uh, every eye open, everybody looking around, like, you know, if you can't do it in front of everybody here, then you're not gonna be able to do it out in the world. And so he called people up to the altar and I thought it was so powerful because so often people are trying to, you know, remove all the, all the hindrances and make it super, super easy. But the easier it is to come, the easier it is to leave. And so I don't really see Jesus putting forth that model of like, all right, you know, nobody looking around and we don't want to embarrass anybody. We want to make sure that no matter what, you know, that, that no one's embarrassed. We want to make sure that you don't have to worry about what other people might think. It's like, no, Jesus said, count the cost. Like there's a, there's a cost to following me. And if I'm not first in your life, then you might not, might as well just not even come. And so I think that's something that a lot of us, especially in America, need to wrestle with is to realize that he needs to be first and that there is a cost to following him. And there, this requires a commitment. And Jesus also said uh, to those who are anxious about the future and about provision, he said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So if we seek him first, if we put him first, we don't have to worry about the rest. But if we put everything else in life first, then, you know, he, he's not there. And then not only that, but that stuff probably won't work anyways. And then we don't have Jesus. But if we put Jesus first and the cause of the kingdom of God first, then all these things will be added. Everything else will fall into place, but it's, it really matters where we have our priorities. So God cares about the order you place things in, in your life. And if, if you don't give of your money first, you generally won't have enough to give later. If you don't give of your time first, you won't have enough to give of your time later. If Jesus isn't first, he will often will not make the cut. It doesn't matter what area of life it is, but if he is first, and if we make prioritizing time with him first and time serving in the church first and giving money first, you always have enough for the other things as long as you get the order right. The kingdom of God in your life, it's either a priority or it's not. There's no fence to be on. We're all called to put him first in everything and to make his mission our mission, and it should consume all that we are. So with that, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. 
I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week, and until I see you next time, let's live out our faith each day without exception.